Welcome to Waterloop, the podcast that explores solutions for sustainability and equity in water. I'm Travis Loop, co-host for this episode. And I'm co-host Maya Richard Craven. This episode is part of the Color of Water series, which features interviews with diverse experts from communities across the country. This series is a collaboration between Waterloop and the Water Hub. This is episode number 206, a platform for diverse experts. Members from WaterHub's Color of Water directory bring knowledge and firsthand experience in water solutions, environmental justice, climate resilience, on-the-ground research, and policy advocacy. A new collaborative series with Waterloop will provide a platform for these diverse experts who are improving understanding and management of water in their communities. This episode features a conversation with Maya Richard Craven a freelance journalist and co-host of the series. Maya talks about her personal and professional connections to water, the importance of hearing from diverse experts, and her goals for the series. You're in the water loop. Maya, I am so excited to get this project started and to be with here you here today to, to introduce the audience to you and, and this series. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so we are uh, the co-hosts for this exciting new series, The Color of Water, uh, and it's really sprung out of the Color of Water directory that was put together by the Water Hub. You're featured in that directory as an expert. Do you want to share a little bit about what that directory is? Yeah. So basically the directory is a collection of members who could speak, you know, on their expertise on water. I joined because I was covering climate at the time and I was specifically interested in water. We'll dive more into this series in a minute, but I want the audience to meet you as my co-host. They've heard me talk a lot on this podcast. Um, So could you talk about your, maybe your personal background and connection to water? You've got some really uh, compelling and interesting stories to share. Yeah, absolutely. So my paternal grandmother and grandfather are from Arkansas. They're from a small town called Centerpoint, and my grandfather would be 109 years old today. He did not have access to running water or an outhouse. That has really inspired me to look into how water plays a role in Black communities, whether it's there or not. Did you, did you ever visit them uh, and be able to see these kind of conditions? I'm so glad you asked that. I actually just visited in June. And um, there were people who had been around and knew my grandfather And it was a family reunion, and I absolutely loved it. And what was so interesting, the first thing I noticed in the town was that there was a well that was still there. What other kind of parts of your background, as you look at at your life, you know, where's water kind of woven in through that? Yeah, so I actually have a really close friend who lives in Philadelphia, and she doesn't have access to clean water. I frequently send her money for water bottles. And um, she's in a low-income area. And so as someone whose father is from a low-income area in Los Angeles, where the water probably wasn't always clean, I'm really, really passionate about uplifting and telling the stories of low-income Black people in, in relation to water. I know they've had like lead problems in Philly and other pollutants. Is that what, what uh, your friend is dealing with? Yeah, she's dealing with lead in the water and the water actually does not look clear. Isn't that amazing in like 2020, 
four now, uh, 2024 in a major U.S. city that that situation still exists. Oh, yeah. And it's not the only one. There's issues with water. You know, Flint is still a problem. The pipes have not been replaced yet. I actually interviewed the mayor of Flint and he said no amount of water is safe. Talk about how you got into, I think, kind of journalism. Uh, this is, you and I share some common commonalities, right? We have these these water things in our background. We both have some journalism roots, and you're an active journalist. Um, talk about, about how you got into kind of news. Yeah, so I actually studied creative writing, and someone recommended that I write for the school magazine. And so I wrote this article called You're Pretty for a Black Girl, and it won a national award, and it was my third article ever. And that's when I knew that this was my calling. Um, I didn't get into climate reporting until 2022, actually, when I had the best fellowship and the best experience with the Sierra Club. I was a fellow for their magazine, and once I wrote for them, I knew that I wanted to write about water. And you've done a lot of other stories, maybe, you know, kind of outside of water specifically. Could you talk about some of those places that your your writing has been published? I'm I'm really impressed with what you've done. Thank you. I've written for over 30 publications, so I'm not going to list all of them. Um, <laughs> but I'm currently a freelance columnist for Forbes career section. And I've written for the LA Times, the Boston Globe, Guardian, USA Today, and a few others. All right, everybody, you hear these incredible credentials of my co-hosts. One of the reasons I'm so excited for this series, you know, I, I was a newspaper reporter, uh, but just in some pretty small publications, small dailies and everything. So you, that's awesome. Your, your work's been in those, those high profile pieces there. Um, as you've been in a journalist, as you've reported on climate, and other environmental and water issues. What are some of the, the topics that you've really been drawn to? That's a great question, Travis. I'm really drawn to flooding. I don't know why. I think it's because so much of it goes unseen. So the news will pick and choose. They cover Jackson, you know, they cover Flint, but there are so many other problems in places, especially with flooding. So I wrote a story on Davenport, Iowa, which it has a very small pocket that is predominantly black and the apartment buildings, you know, water was rising in them and people's cars were getting swept away. A homeless black man was found washed up on the shore. Um, so I'm really interested in flooding. And then also, of course, you know, as an African-American, I have to mention Hurricane Katrina. Um, that to me was one of the worst things that has ever happened to black people in this country. I'm not including slavery. I mean, in modern times. And, um, you know, I actually interviewed three Hurricane Katrina survivors, um, all of whom had either undiagnosed or diagnosed PTSD. And that was fascinating to talk about seeing the water. Um, one woman described looking down and all the places she used to play were covered in water. Um, and so, you know, dead bodies were floating up to the hospital where she stayed to, to try and make it through. Um, she said there was a horrible smell and bodies were lined in the hallways and she was nine. So water really affects African-Americans, but what really affects us when it comes to water is the response. So FEMA did not do the greatest during Hurricane Katrina and basically left people to die of all shades and sizes and religions and races. So that's my two cents. I'm just really passionate about how water impacts, you know, black communities where they don't have the resources to fight these things. Yeah. You look at like two of the biggest, I guess, environmental catastrophes, if you will, of the, of the 21st century, you have Hurricane Katrina, that something that got 
obviously and and justifiably so much attention and then you have flint right same same thing that massive story and you've got you know the black community just impacted right by both of those both of those pieces uh, an environmental disaster with katrina failure to you know of infrastructure a failure of infrastructure in flint a failure of management too um those are we, we've talked about this a little bit those are just two high profile stories right or or, or jackson even but then these kind of things are happening in, still in communities across the country where um, communities of color are disproportionately impacted uh, by water pollution, too much water, whatever it might be. Yeah. And what's so interesting about all of this is the fact that water affects everyone and we need it to survive. You know, this isn't, it's a basic need and people's basic needs are not being met. So this Color of Water series, which we are kind of kicking off by introducing you, um, we're going to feature different experts from that Color of Water directory. I strongly encourage anybody who has not looked at that yet to go check that out. Super easy to follow, uh, find by just Googling Color of Water uh, and directory and you'll find that there's like over a hundred experts I think from all across the United States uh, in all aspects of water uh, it's an impressive group and we're gonna have the the privilege and uh, opportunity to interview one of those folks each month throughout this year and learn about their backgrounds and the issues they're working on and really the solutions that's always been my focus you know we hear so much about the problems but what are the ways to fix them <laughs> you know what's what's working out there uh, so i'm excited to learn from these voices that aren't always featured in the news and at conferences um, and and meetings and so forth um, what what are you looking forward to with this that's a good question what am i looking forward <laughs> to there's too much to list um yeah. well you know what? I'm really looking forward to uplifting my community. That's always my goal. Even for my column with Forbes, I write about careers and I love to talk about representation, like black representation in corporate America. So my goal always is to uplift my community, but also to educate listeners. You know, people think, oh, Flint, oh, Jackson, like you were saying, but what about Houston? What about Philly? There are water crises across the country. Sometimes, and I hope might get my words right here. Sometimes uh, people look to include diverse voices um, as a way to balance out or counter the you know predominantly white voices that might get featured in things, right? Um, and in developing this series, there's been some kind of conversations that um, I've been part of that talks about it's not it's not about just like balancing things out and making it equal, but it's about like there's so much perspective and information and knowledge that's being missed out on by uh, not including people from kind of the full spectrum of communities and backgrounds. Um, you know, so it's uh, it's not a matter of trying to make things equal again. It's about really like there is incredible. Uh, perspective experiences that need to be heard that can help inform policy and inform solutions and and that kind of thing. Does that does that make sense? What I'm what I'm uh, rambling on about there? Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought that up because 
there are these activists who just go unnoticed, you know, especially in the community. Colorism plays a role, racism plays a role, but mostly classism plays a role. So when you see African-Americans speak on, you know, in business publications or in major publications, they are often people who came from money. That's seen as less non-threatening. It's seen as they have more exposure to the majority, all these different things. So I'm I'm really excited to be alongside you for this this journey of co-hosting. I'll mention that I think that uh, that we'll be joined sometimes as a co-host by Jose Aranda, who's with uh, the Color of Water and the Water Hub. Uh, I think sometimes he might might co-host. We might mix and match a little bit here and shift around depending uh, on the topic or the guest that we have. So really excited to to do this, and I think one of the end goals is that. Media, policymakers, conference organizers start looking at the color of water directory to find, you know, speakers and sources. Um, you know, when you're a you're a journalist, how do you find sources that aren't just the regular traditional mainstream ones? How do you find these kind of other perspectives? This is going to be a surprising answer, but I actually use hashtags on social media. So when I was trying to track down black Hurricane Katrina survivors, I went on a Facebook group and there was a, um, a Hurricane Survivors Facebook group. I couldn't find anyone there. So I looked up the hashtag Hurricane Katrina Survivor PTSD on Instagram. And r- the first post was a black woman talking about her PTSD from Katrina. Um, I also find sources by posting on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, I'm sorry, X it is now. Um, (laughs) I post on social media because if you can do a hashtag or tag someone, they will respond to you. And then you're able to find find people that aren't just the regular Rolodex of, of experts on a certain issue, right? You're able to find like real people in communities that are dealing with issues. Oh, that's, Mm -hmm. that's awesome. Um, yeah. So, Anything else you want to add about this series from your perspective, how you view it, what you want to accomplish with it? Yeah, I just want to mention the significance of this series. It's a really big deal because oftentimes when we talk about climate and Black people we or people of color, we just say, oh yeah, there's an issue in their communities. But what are the issues and what are the solutions? So I'm really excited to discuss solutions. I'm a big believer in solution-based journalism. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to most. All right, we are in alignment on that solutions-based journalism, so we're off to a, off to a good start together as co-hosts on this. Um, well, I encourage the audience, listeners here, to get ready. Uh, we're going to have our first guest from the Color of Water directory that's not my co-host, Maya. Uh, we'll release that episode in February, and we'll be having an episode every month throughout 2024, and I really look forward to sharing these. So excited to be doing this with you, Maya. I am too. I'm excited. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to everybody soon. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Color of Water series, a collaboration between Waterloop and the Water Hub. Find the nonprofits at waterloop.org and waterhub.org. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop.